Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy. My guest today is Martin Hauske, leading Nokia Networks for Energy in Asia-Pacific. Welcome, Martin. Thank you, Matthias, for inviting me. Martin, we want to talk about new technologies, uh, mainly in the electricity grid, but also about implications of these on security, on business models. Um, but before we start with this, it would be really great if you could first introduce yourself a little bit as a person. My background is 20 years utility, starting with SAP, uh, then IBM, and last job was partner at Accenture charge of smart grid. So I've seen the shift from traditional ERP to more advanced business models, smart metering, smart grid. Right. So hearing the name Nokia, uh, when I think back into the start of my mobile career, I think I had a small handheld, it was a Nokia 1100 or something. And then I saw my boss having a Nokia communicator and I was incredibly jealous. But for everyone who got stuck in history somewhere there, uh, could you explain what Nokia is today and how the company got there? The, uh, now comes the commercial break. The Nokia always had a networking business and uh, the handset business. So we are two parts of the company, one more B2B, one more B2C. Uh, we've sold that handset business to Microsoft for a nice round sum, uh, but we kept the IP. So we still have got IP when you see Nokia being sold or uh, Apple using some of our patents actually and we get IP revenue. But uh, Nokia, in the meantime, also merged with Siemens networks. Then later we bought Alcatel Lucent. So now we are with Huawei, the only end-to-end -end telecommunication company going all the way from mobile base stations like 5G, 4G, 5G, then IP and optical networks, then fixed network like your fiber to the home stuff. Uh, we have got a growing software business, enable things, analytics, security, and finally a decent sized services business where we manage over 30 operators networks like Optus. So we have got uh, a broad end-to-end -end communication proposition. Right. Talking about uh, communication when, and, and coming back to the electricity grids, if we look at, into what is going to happen in the next couple of decades, uh, with the build-out of electricity, more renewables coming in, IoT being there. Communication will be kind of the backbone of uh, the electricity grid. So uh, how do you foresee that happening? Because at the moment you have utilities in isolation, you have transmission grid operators, distribution grid operators, you have technology providers. How do we make sure that these all come together uh, to then finally build up this backbone of communication? I think that uh, it's the journey we are working with customers on right now. Uh, perhaps if I take a step back, traditionally utilities had 10, 15 communication systems. They had a microwave, they had different uh, frequencies for transmission, they had handhelds for their crews. What we see is initially people, you know, that in the new business model, they need to become more efficient. They fold everything into an IP-based network. So the move towards IP, I think, is a given. IP, MPLS. 
having said that, those new networks still need to support the critical requirements of low latency, etc. This is where our bread and butter business comes in, fixed network, uh, DWDM fiber, routing guaranteed uh, latency so that, or protection that works. The next step is when I did smart grid at the beginning, we did RF mesh. RF mesh sounded like a brilliant idea, cheap, easy to deploy. What we found very quickly is that it does not scale, it does not uh, enable new business models like uh, EV charging control, solar or batteries. What we see more now is customers are moving to private LTE, where it gives them the ability to have a mission critical network across the, their patch. Maybe have worked with operators for remote areas, but have this uh, controllable environment uh, where they can manage the control, uh, quality of service. And they fulfill the new role of a distribution system platform provider, DSO. So this way, um, IoT, for example, you see more information coming up from devices, from transformers, from solar, from EV, from storage at home. The uh, good part is on the technology side is being accompanied by the move towards 5G, which is designed for something like that. So we see the early examples now at 4G LTE, like autonomous trucks in mines. When we want to have autonomous cars, we probably need to go to 5G to have this ultra low latency millisecond. And um, Nokia is very well positioned as one of the leaders in 5G in this space. Right. I come back to uh, the point you made that there are so many different communication platforms, which is becoming better now already. But still, there is a lot of different communication protocols. So um, the question of standardization going forward, what is your take on this? There are still so many different protocols of different appliance providers. Um, what needs to improve on that level? Nokia is very big on standards, so we are working actively in standard groups. The other part is customers, particularly our industry utilities, are very conservative in moving to new paradigms. So typically, you need to support legacy protocols, uh, which we are doing extensively. The uh, last part is we are engineers. Mm. Um, my team members say, I really want to kick the tires. I don't believe any PowerPoint. I don't believe any sales talk. Yes. Uh, let me try it out in the lab with my RTUs, with my devices, validate that it really works for my use cases. And um, that's where uh, we see Nokia stepping up in a major way, different from other um, providers where we have a dedicated center, for example, in Plano, we work with the University of Strathclyde, where we have uh, large labs to enable this kind of testing, mm -hmm. to give the customers and partners the confidence that the solution overall works. What we see with the shift towards new business models is you've got use case level, and from use case it goes down um, to what is the architecture, and then what is the solution and actually implementation. Right. So we don't start from technology and just, oh, well, Nokia has got this new mouse trap, but we have got uh, Part of the solution that enables, like uh, for SEMPRA renewables, the monitoring of wind farms nice. and bring that information back to analyze it. So, working with partners like OSI, uh, the, where we help the customer uh, analyze data in a better way. It's not Nokia, but it is a solution with partners, and that 
maturity of solution, the testing of that solution enables mission critical systems to move to those new technologies. I want to come back to the business models a bit later. Um, one thing I'd also like to talk about, you mentioned EVs already and 5G being so important for very fast communication. That kind of leads also towards the question of security. Um, this fast communication is, in this case, uh, prerequisite for security. But there's, there's different levels of security when we have so much communication. So if we have so much data flying around, uh, starting things like one device is sending information to another one and it reacts to this, that also provides a lot of new entry points uh, for, for example, cyber attacks. Or it could lead to things like miscommunication and things happening around this. What is happening around this whole sector of security in this highly interconnected world? The, when you look at what's the leading example for security uh, is the mobile operators. Because mobile operators, your mobile phone is critical for you. You are creating content, you're tweeting, you are using LinkedIn email, uh, you're creating content with YouTube. The, in that environment, there's no more parameter defense. The idea that in the old days, SCADA is separate from the rest of all the systems, so it's, it's safe, I think is outdated. When you look at RTUs being hacked, cameras being hacked, EV charging points being hacked. So the new security uh, model is an integrated model. It, the network has to be intrinsically secure and be able to react to threats. There is going to be always attacks. So how do you detect irregular behavior with artificial intelligence? How do you then take countermeasures limiting uh, if somebody has got uh, access rights to certain base stations, for example, if you suddenly access other assets? Those irregularities automatically being flagged and then taking countermeasures limiting access or isolating access. If you uh, suddenly access from somewhere in China, if you're not on a business trip there, then it's high likelihood somebody stole your profile data, your login data. With phishing, with those tools, it's impossible to foresee, so forestall any kind of intrusion. But how do you deal with the intrusion? Limit their extent, uh, limit their ability to reach out. And in utilities, if you look at Ukraine, I mean, Russia hacked into the grid, took down half of the grid. The war was over in a few weeks. This, uh, a nightmare scenario in the US, we've got NERC SIP compliance where other uh, state actors were hacking. In that kind of environment, we enable this uh, complete monitoring of what's going on in the security profile. Has somebody changed something which should not have happened? So we do this tracking, we do uh, the security profile, the processes. And with AT&T, for example, we already manage 40 million devices. So for us, this is business as usual. We just apply to utilities. So what you just described, that's already good news that there is uh, some good overview about what's happening in the grid. Um, but it's going further than that. There's also a lot of regulation involved. We hear a lot about uh, GDPR, for example. Information is a very valuable thing, something we need to protect. Um, how does technology and re regulation play together? I think there are two parts to the question. One is the utilities. The business model is changing. And the natural new areas for utilities are things like smart cities. Because we are everywhere. 
and um, cities typically don't have money anymore, but they want to offer new services, more security, better traffic management. Utilities ideally positioned for that. The second one, utilities have typically fiber for their own SCADA system, for their own backbone. It makes a lot of sense to offer telecom as a service, U-Telcos, to bring broadband to less privileged communities. The typical telco operators do skin and go after the most profitable customers. Like in Malaysia, TNB just has been asked by the telecom minister to provide 2 million broadband homes. So that kind of leverages an existing infrastructure and extends it. How do you deal with the regulated asset versus competitive asset? Do you have open access uh, for other telco operators, so like in Singapore with the fiber backbone? So those kind of things, uh, I feel utilities, we need to proactively uh, bring those topics up and uh, then explain what is the rationale, what's the benefit for consumer, lower rates or broadband, or some of the profits will be um, funneled back to the core business, enabling lower rates, or um, EV uh, batteries. In Germany, for example, batteries were considered generation assets. So prohibiting, naturally, the distribution comes from using them. Which, looking at Germany with so much solar happening on the distribution network, kind of defeats the purpose. And you and I are not going to look at the network and say, I'm going to put a million dollar battery out there five kilometers from the substation. We don't have the visibility. So what I've seen on the opposite side, the uh, customers like United Energy in Australia, they filed a rate case where they were able to demonstrate lower cost of provisioning the network and integrating renewables thanks to storage. Mm -hmm. So the regulator signed up on that because the outcome for the consumer is better lower network charges. So that uh, I think utilities need to proactively engage in those discussions. They will not always win, but um, Nokia has seen many cases globally. We are more than happy to share some of those with our utility friends to make sure that the regulator at least is aware of some of the pitfalls and how technology can, in the end, lower costs. And I think the German example is probably not the best one when I look at uh, how massive investment we have undertaken, how high the network cost has become because of renewables. On this, uh, new business cases for utilities. Um, in the past, they had all the power because they were the guys who had the electricity. Uh, now we see it moving because of technologies you just described more and more towards the power is sitting in the platform, which has kind of the knowledge of what is happening in the grid, which can connect the different players from the generation to the loads. You're working together with the utilities. How do you see them react to this now? Years back, we had the death spiral of utilities and they were challenged by distributed generation. Now they were challenged, now they are challenged by digitalization, IoT, these new business models. How do you foresee the roles of utilities in the future and what do they have to do to maintain relevance? They, I think they need to evolve in their role. The old model, I'm, I'm distributing electrons, is a low margin, highly uh, squeezed model. It could become a backup for people generating their own power with solar and storage. On the other hand, if we look at the bigger picture where we are driving it with decarbonization, just came back from California, when I look at utilities like Sempra, they actively embrace it. They see it as an opportunity to put storage out in the grid to enable even less privileged people who don't have the villas with the roof space to put in millions of solar. But uh, then you have community solar. Community solar 
stored in batteries in the neighborhood so they can still participate on the technology. Mm -hmm. So enabling even less privileged customers to have lower energy costs leveraging renewables. And at the same time, somebody needs to keep the lights on in the end. The, the responsibility if everybody says, oh, I run my own grid. So who is going to make sure the grid stays stable? The, there needs to be an entity, and uh, my belief is that it's going to be a distribution system operator tasked by the regulator to say, okay, you are going to want, be the one who balances the load, who shifts load with VPP, who uh, storage to buffer certain, certain, who keeps voltage stable. Those tasks somebody needs to do, and uh, utilities can do that. Um, at the same time, I agree, we, they need to evolve, become much more value-adding, where the decarbonization could mean I offer an electric fleet. In Sacramento, San Diego municipality, they are looking to massively decarbonize minus 60%. And in order to do that, they expect an electricity sales to increase up to 40%. Because all uh, transport currently comprises 39% of carbon emissions. If you want to move the transport over, you need to have more EVs, more EV charging. So it becomes an opportunity at the same time. Here in Singapore, my good friend uh, Chi Kyung, uh, he's looking uh, to do smart campuses. Uh, we are looking to work together outside of Singapore for rural microgrids, using those new technologies to bring electricity and electrification. So it becomes more of a services business than the traditional poles and wires business. And um, the punchline in the end is obviously information is key to that. If you want to information and in order to get the information and contract to transact, you need to have reliable, secure uh, systems with latency that Nokia provides. Yes. So it's Kyung from Sing SP Group, actually, mm -hmm. who are also having here their new blockchain uh, model for trading racks. Mm -hmm. So that's probably one utility which is moving quite fast in a good environment. We are unfortunately coming already to the end of this episode, uh, but uh, we are recording here at the site of the Singapore International Energy Week 2018. And I would like to ask you what your main takeaway uh, from this year's conference would be. It was an excellent conference. I'm very privileged to be part of it as panelists this afternoon. But also, I was amazed looking at um, some of the ministers yesterday in the dialogue, sharing very aggressive visions of where they want to bring the grid and Asia with interconnects, uh, with high renewable targets, uh, the awareness on climate goals, the two, per, two degree uh, goal. So, I think it's very exciting times to be in this industry. There's definitely change. Uh, and one point that we want to be part of is sharing our knowledge and learning from other people. So that exchange, I think uh, SU has been an excellent uh, format to do that. And it's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Martin, for your very interesting insights. This was Martin Hauske, leading Nokia Networks for Energy in Asia Pacific. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.